Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. Today, we're so excited to welcome back Jennifer Barcone, who is the Chief Talent Officer, aka Head of Human Resources, at a company based in California. She's worked at companies, huge Fortune 100 public companies, um, as well as small startups. So she is like the human resources guru here to answer a lot of questions about how to really be able to value yourself and have conversations, whether you're getting back into the workforce or whether you've been working for a while and you feel like it's time for a raise, how to talk to your bosses and human resources about that. So thanks for being here again, Jen. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Not a, not a guru. <laughs> well, a guru we're for us. Um, but like, really, let's just dive right into it because I feel like learning how to be able to talk about money relative to yourself, your own worth work-wise and how to have those conversations without getting emotional about it. That's a real struggle and a real challenge, I think, for a lot of women. I know it always was for me. I was lucky enough for the, my career to work in the kind of industry where I had an agent. So the majority of the time, I wasn't involved in those financial discussions. It was my agent negotiating with business affairs, you know, at different networks. But those are the kind of conversations where, you know, brings women to tears. You're feeling like they're brings not- Brings a lot of people to tears. And the, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, which is you have to figure out a way to remove your own emotion from it. Because guess what? It's not emotional for the company. It's a purely business financial decision. So you're not, you're not, you're not even coming to the, you're not even coming to the game with the right artillery. If you're bringing your emotion to it, you're going to get, you're going to get outdone every time. But sometimes you're working in a company where you know that someone who's doing the equivalent job of you. And I don't, this is not a man woman thing. This is not a sexism thing, but just sometimes, you know, that there are people that are getting paid more. So. Which could be the world's worst justification as to why you want to raise. No, but becomes emotional when you're told you're not going to get one. So mm -hmm. let's start off with kind of, you know, what should your mindset be? How do you prepare yourself, you know, knowledge and research wise to know what you're worth and what's a reasonable raise to be able to be asking for? I mean, it really depends on the circumstances. Large companies, mine included, and we're not that big, we're 1200 people. So I would consider us a mid-sized firm, but certainly the larger companies that I've worked at have very well-established salary ranges. And they do that intentionally to avoid pay and equity liability. Mm -hmm. So you have to remember that there are ranges in many places these days, the company is required to reveal what those salary ranges are. So in the state of California, and I, I don't have a 50 state, um, compliance manual in my head. But in the state of California, those are things where you can ask, what is the salary range for this position? Similarly, uh, in California, and I hate to be so California-centric, but it's where I am and it's where I practice. Um, when you're interviewing for a job, your employer cannot ask you how much you made in your previous jobs. The only thing they can ask you is what are your salary expectations? 
And so you have a little bit of wiggle room and range with which to get some significant jumps in your in your compensation by not having to, and this is legislation that was passed in the last several years, uh, by not having to reveal your exact previous salary history. So in terms of, you know, what do you need to do in order to ask for the raise? Again, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it now, do your research, understand. I mean, again, Jessica, you're hundred percent right. What you're going to find on salary.com is going to be very wide and, and, and not particularly accurate, but it'll give you some barometer of where things are. Um, I also think that if you're in the job, you have a general sense. People talk, right? To your point, people know what each other make. Um, there is no law like there used to be that you couldn't discuss your salary with your coworkers. So 100%, you know, people are going to know more than they think they know. Um, and I think that one of the things that people should bring to the table when negotiating is a sense for market competitiveness. Now, if you think that you're attractive in the market, you have a lot more leverage than if you think that you're not attractive in the market, meaning there's not a high demand for your job or, um, again, supply and demand. If there's not like a, a, a ton of people who are, who are skilled in what you're skilled in, you're going to have a lot more leverage. Um, and chances are, you know, the, 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 the pay bands that the company has established are going to be reflective of that. So we might have, and again, I'm just totally throwing this out there. This is not right. a real thing, but like, uh, an engineer who, who codes a particular language might get paid meaningfully more than another engineer who codes in a different type of language just because there are fewer people who do this than who do that. And that in and of itself will cause a rise in the, in the, in the pay band. Right. That's what I was going to say. If you're in a niche area or specialty skill set, yep. then you're, you're in a position of power compared yep. to being you know, an executive assistant to one of, you know, 50 different people. Yeah. And executive assistants. I mean, listen, I've seen executive assistants make anywhere from $40,000 a year to $250,000. No, I'm not saying that that they don't. I'm just saying that you probably have more negotiating ability if you're in a niche area, but then just walking into an interview. Okay. And you ask what the salary, like, I would think. Well, who goes first? It's typically the employer. It's typically the employer that will say, what are your salary expectations? That is most likely to happen before any candidate would say, what is the pay for this role? So that should be the answer, right? When you're asked your expectations, can't you say, well, what is the range? You can. It's a little gamey. It would be a turnoff for me. I, I would suggest saying, you know, based on my knowledge of the market, based on my years of experience, based on my skill, and based on the role that you are considering me for, my expectation would be X. Um, okay. And go high, go high, but don't go so I was going to so say, high. you don't want to sell yourself short. But you no, don't but- price yourself out of the job. Yeah, but typically you won't. I mean, if I meet somebody, I've had this happen hundreds of times. In fact, I've done it with my own with my own job searches where I go in, I tell them what my salary expectations are, typically predicated on my 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 um my actual salary history. Again, I'm an open book. Like when someone asks me what are your expectations, I say to them, I make this now, so I would be looking for this to make a move. But I've gone in and you get the, ooh, that's a whole lot more than we were prepared to pay. And then you say, listen, 
I get it. And I'm not sure that I'm willing to take less, but I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be um, beneficial to either one of us at this juncture for us to stop having conversations. Let's just get to know each other a little bit more because this con this conversation is typically going to happen sort of earlier on in the, in the, in the journey. And I've ended up negotiating way more than they were prepared to pay because I got them to fall in love with me, right? So you, you have to fall in love with you. Many, many. Um, you sold yourself. Well, right. And I, and I, that's exactly right. So, you know, I just don't think, try not to ever get to a place where you're letting something get shut down. Say, listen, if at the end of this process, you've decided that you have a maximum pay and that you just can't budge and it's less than what I'm willing to accept, no love lost. I'm really interested in this opportunity and I would love to continue having conversations, but I would hate for us to, you know, part ways at this juncture without having fully explored. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you um, make sure that you're not pricing yourself out of the market. I guess I guess it doesn't really matter to your point if, if your answer is well I think we should continue talking. I think though that what something that I've always wondered and probably a lot of other people do also is when the employer you say here is the range is that really the range? I mean it should be. I I wouldn't I've never lied about that. Cause I feel like that's what people are always, you're saying go in high. Cause it's like, well, they may say, well, we were expecting to pay, you know, 150 in this position. And you're kind of like, but you're not going to give me your highest number right now. Right. That's right. And also you need to keep in mind, what are the other components of the compensation package? Like right. it's that's not just about base salary. You. There's, you know, there's bonus potential. By the way, if you're, if you're newly divorced, there's a world in which you need health insurance real badly. And, you know, that there's real financial value in that, especially with an employer who subsidizes their insurance heavily, like we do, like most larger employers do. So you might be willing to take a slightly less on your base if you know that you're getting, you know, premium health insurance subsidized at 80% by the company for you and your children or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of factors in general, Jessica, in answer to your question about like, how do you not price yourself out? Like, just don't be stupid and don't be greedy. Like if you're, if you, if you were making, or you think that somewhere in the realm of possibility that the job is $150,000 a year job, don't go in asking for 250. Typically, right. I think a 25% range on any particular, and by the way, that's typically where the salary bands lie. It's like 20% on either side of what's considered the midpoint for a position. Um, and there are geographical differences. We do cost of living adjustments to pay, depending on where you live, but it's not, it, most companies just aren't that large. Um, so, you know, just what don't be- What are some of the basic things that people should be thinking about in terms of the value? Because you just bring up such a good point. I think that a lot of people do go in and they'll think, okay, I, I need to get health insurance. And then it's all about my salary and aren't necessarily thinking like, well, what are some of the benefits that I should be looking for or asking about? Well, I mean, it's so diverse because you could take a company like a Amazon, for example, right? Huge, highly successful company, sort of lower on the base salary, huge upside on the equity. And they, they distribute equity to almost every level within the company, if not every. So 
you know, I think it, it varies dramatically. There are other industries like entertainment that I've been a part of where the base salaries are meaningfully inflated. There is limited what I would refer to as incentive compensation, which is bonuses, and long-term incentive, which is equity, depending on what company you're at and at what level. So, you know, the type of company that you're interviewing at, again, financial services, if you're in a, a banking environment, a legal environment, those salaries are lockstep. You have no negotiating power whatsoever. Um, so there, there's no need to have that conversation. But in most companies, you have to look at the mix of what we refer to at my company of total rewards and, and figure out the value. Again, I mean, there are jobs where you probably have to work a lot of hours and they're gonna pay you a lot of money to do that. But if you're a mom, that's not gonna be compelling. It's probably worth it to you to make 50 to $60,000 less for a job where you have some control over your hours and your work-life yeah. balance. And so, yeah. you know, you just have to be looking at all of the things. Um, and by the way, it varies from company to company. You know, I could go be a human resources executive in a company that would own me and that wouldn't work for me. So I choose to work at a company where I have great flexibility. And to be honest, as you get more senior, you can demand more flexibility um, because they need you more and more. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real life experts who've been through it, telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. Are you thinking about dating again after divorce, but have no idea where to start? Maybe you need a little self-esteem boost or brush up on your conversation skills. Are you overwhelmed by all the new dating apps and crazy jargon? If the answers are yes, then let relationship expert and dating coach Jennifer Hurwitz be your thinking partner, your cheerleader, and unbiased opinion when you need one. Divorced herself, Jennifer also survived the dreary dating waters, and so can you. It's her job to set you up for success, help you gain the confidence you need to attract the partner you deserve. If you're open to making positive changes and starting on your journey to finding love, book a free clarity call with Jen today on her website, jenniferhurvitz.com. And if you mention the ex-experts, you'll receive a special discount. Right. When I was in that job that I was speaking about, um, I worked remote and that was just because my boss was in Chicago and my team was all across the country. So I was paid a certain amount. And then I saw that some of the other people at my level who were directing um, programs were getting title changes, better title changes and promotions. And so I said something and went in and they just, I think they did it because they did it for everyone else. And I kind of felt forgotten, but I felt like I had nothing to lose. So mm. I, I, they weren't going to, they weren't going to eliminate me because then they eliminate a ton of revenue. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. also if you're in that kind of a position that you're seeing this stuff happening, you can go in and say like, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing the same thing. It just has a different title on it. And, and like you said, I bring in this much money. I have these many people showing up. I do X, Y, and Z by myself. I don't outsource anything. And, and kind of felt like the worst case scenario is that I stay where I'm at, but I want the director title and I want more money. 
And and by the way, be willing to be willing to prioritize. You know, I've always said in my career, I don't care what they call me as long as they pay me. So you may be more focused on the the. It depends pay. on where you're at, right? It depends, it depends on, on how important career trajectory is to you. Yeah. You know, if it's yeah. if it's important for you to show that type of advancement, uh, so that you can start thinking about your next move. Sure. Yeah. Then that then there's worth in that. If you're not, then I say forget what they call you. And by the way, what they call you is so dramatically different in so many companies. You I know. know. Right. There's it's so like much title and, and bananas all over the place. That's exactly right. So don't get stuck on being a director somewhere. If the company that you're working at has massive title deflation where, you know, at Netflix, by mm -hmm. way of example, the directors make, you know, 250, $300,000 a year. That's a senior vice president, you know, pay in any other company. So you've got to know what you're dealing with. And they'll be very honest with you about that. They'll say we pay top of market and our titles are deflated. And you know, that's a conversation that you can have. And once you're but in, that's really know great it, to know. Yeah, that's great to think about because I was always in the world of titles. You know, if you're, if you're thinking that you're, you know, this isn't going anywhere, you better get that VP title so that when you move jobs, they'll pay you like a VP, not but like a senior manager. What's the language to use going in? Words that you should not use, language that you should always use when you're going in and you're talking about compensation, whether it's new job going in, you know, and you haven't, and you're re-entering the workforce or you're there and you're going into your current employer and, and gonna be pushing for more. Um, mm -hmm. How do you actually do it? What do you say? Well, I mean, again, it all goes back to authenticity and, and being yourself. And so I approach those conversations very differently for, for me than I have than, than I might give advice. And again, I, I don't know the particulars of any circumstance, but I would say two things. One, and I hit it at the top when you were talking, Jessica, the thing that I like least is when someone comes into my office and says, I want to raise because I know so-and-so is making this and that. Like, that's not a good reason. So-and-so right. could be kicking your ass, right? Right. So you need to be talking about what value you're bringing to the company, what, what are the real contributions that you've made that you think have had bottom line effects. And the other thing that I would stick to, and again, I know it's tough because there's not a ton of visibility into it, but like know your market worth. Um, and I think you know companies are always thinking about the cost of turnover. What is it going to cost if this person leaves? How much are we going to have to pay the next person that we bring in? How right. long is it going to take right. us to find that person? How many hours are going to be spent recruiting and ramping up? Sometimes companies want to pay you a little bit more just so that they don't have to go through the, the suffering of replacing mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. But you have yeah. to be good at what you do in order for that to happen. Because I can tell you, if someone comes to me and they're not performing and they ask for the raise and, and you know my, my, my alternative is, okay, they're going to leave. I'm going to let them leave and I'm going to be willing to pay more on the, on the replacement. Any other tips? So don't ever go in and just compare yourself to someone else. Salary wise, anything else in I that would regard not. of like words to use or things to say versus definitely not. I mean, I just think again, talk about your contributions, what you've done, know your market worth, um, negotiate like you're negotiating anything else in your life. I know it's negotiating yourself, which is really a tough place to be in. Yeah. Um, but negotiate like you're negotiating on a, on an apartment, you know, know what you're willing to pay, know what the apartment is worth, get advice from friends and family who you think might know, 
Um, Jessica, you were very lucky to work in an industry where you had someone negotiating on your behalf. Don't be afraid to ask someone to like take information back to a trusted friend or colleague and, 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 and bounce the information around so that you can go back to your employer with some really clean sort of objective thoughts. It's so interesting too what you said, because that was something that when I was deciding to leave TV, um, I, I had gotten to a point where I really needed a um, lifestyle change. I really needed to be in a, in a space where my whole life and my whole schedule were not being dictated by current events and where um, I was I had more not even necessarily flexible hours, but more set hours, you know, not mm -hmm. working basically from 515 in the morning until 730 at night. And I remember taking meetings um, and actually that, that, uh, that were salaries that were significantly less than what I had been currently making at the time and thinking to myself, well, how much is that? Is this, is this change of lifestyle worth to me? Is it $25,000 less? Is it $50,000 less? Is it $100,000 less? Like, so to your point of like, know what, where, what your bottom line is, I think that's really important. Like you need to know what's the lead you, obviously this is what you want at the top, but what is the, what's the least amount that you're willing to make? That's still going to make you feel good because there mm -hmm. was a, there was a time at CBS where I was going in and it was a, it was a contract renegotiation and my agent came to me and they're like, they're not budging and they're, you know, they're stuck at this number. And literally it was a $5,000 difference between what they were, what their final offer was and what I wanted. And I actually, and I don't get involved in the negotiations, but I went into my executive producer and I go, listen, it costs $5,000 for one live truck to do a live shot in the morning on this show. And we do like four a day. I can't in good conscience sign this contract when this is what you're nickel and diming me over. The difference of $5,000, like I'm not gonna feel good about it and I just can't stay like that. So I ended up getting it because it was like, it was so close, but you do have to know, like, what are you willing to, don't go in and bluff. No, and it's a really good point. And listen, you did a great job advocating for yourself and most companies I would assume would for $5,000 would make that change. But you got to remember for every one conversation like that, that they're having with you, they're having it with seven other people. And there's like nine other CapEx investments that need to be made and 27 other unexpected hits to the PNL, like, right? Like it's only $5,000 to you because, and you see them blowing that every which way come Sunday. But it's, a, I mean, they're, people are going to be fiscally responsible and they may hold their ground and then you've got a decision to make. Right. And, and also when you're going through a divorce, you know, when you're talking about the high end, certainly the low end is what are my expenses? How much does it pay for rent, mm -hmm. car, house, school, miscellaneous? Like really get your numbers in order and maybe cushion it on top because you probably missed a lot of stuff. And then that's how much you need to go. That's the kind of job you need to find something that's going to pay that, or you might have to find two jobs, you know, to cover those expenses, but, but be prepared that you're going in for a job that can at least help 80% of your expenses to be covered so that, cause it's a whole new world when you go through a divorce. And if you weren't working, then it's a big, holy shit moment. And you know, where's the money coming from? So mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's a lot, but you have to plan for it. You know, just back, I've got two points to make. One is back to the point of like total rewards. You know, 
ask about things like, you know, the 401k match, you know, that's free tax deferred money that just gets dumped into a retirement account. Like that has value to it. If you're looking to, you know, grow your retirement account. Um, but also in terms of work-life balance, you know, we're living at a very interesting time right now. I am predicting that 30% of my workforce will be working remotely. And that has a lot of appeal to working moms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now's a great time to be looking for a job where you have the kind of flexibility. And that's what this is all about. Um, You know, as we're sort of stumbling our way through what the future of our workplace looks like, we're talking a lot about, um, you know, how do we move to a place where people are required to be in the office most days and giving people the flexibility that they need. So we talked about, you know, do we have core office days where everyone comes in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays? And we're like, well, that doesn't work for everyone. You know, on Tuesdays, I might have a commitment. So we're really getting to a place of a lot more flexibility and allowing people to work. We, we're, instead of calling it work from home, we're sort of calling it work from anywhere. And as That's long as the great. work is it getting is done. It is great. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, well, I think we're out of time, but that was so much great information oh, and some so awesome tips. So thank you so much, Jen, for that. We really appreciate it. And um, and I would imagine, as always, your suggested resources for people when it comes to trying to figure out what they are worth going in and having these conversations would be sites <laughs> like LinkedIn, Glassdoor. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be all over the place you know, don't, don't completely eliminate places like salary.com. Uh, there's another one. I'm spacing on it. There's a more current one. Darn it. I, I don't know it, but there is something out there. That's a lot more. Uh, now it's going to eat me up. Anyway, do your research. If you've been in the job market before, call your former colleagues, ask them what they're making. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've got that kind of relationship, just, you know, know, get as much information as you can. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming back and we will see you next time. Yes. Thanks, Jen. Bye. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at X-Experts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.